2: Well, it was another stunning Sunday in the NFL. This is a Monday edition of Home and Home, radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Among the stunners on Sunday, the Chiefs lose at home against the Colts, who ground out that game. The Packers put up a 31-3 lead in Dallas and hang on for the win, and the Raiders, somehow John Gruden's team is getting it done. They take out Khalil Mack and the Chicago Bears. What a surprising Sunday it is. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania, and we start with the least stunning thing in the NFL landscape. Ross, good morning, my friend. In the news business, what we do is we prepare what's called obits, obituaries, long TV pieces voiced and written on people we know who are about to die. Newspapers do that as well. The obit has been written on John uh, Jay Gruden excuse me, since late last year. Is this a reflection of his coaching tenure or just another in a long line of bungled issues for Dan Snyder, an organization you
1: once played for? Yeah, I would say the latter, and I've we've talked about this before. I have an affinity for the Redskins, having started my career there and finishing my career in the Burgundy and Gold. When I was there, the Redskins were a really big deal. They have a terrific fan base that has eroded. Tom Brady said yesterday felt like a home game almost yeah. every away team now owns that stadium when they can't come in. That's how it was on Monday night a few weeks ago when I was on the sideline when they lost to the Chicago Bears. This was inevitable. Uh, this goes much higher than Jay Gruden. If you think about the fact that they were 5-2 and two last year when Alex Smith got hurt and everything has sort of unraveled Since then, they don't have their best offensive player in Jordan Reed. They don't have their best offensive lineman in Trent Williams, who's probably the best player on the team. That's a problem. Uh, And the Trent Williams one is something that they should be able to handle. They haven't been able to. That's unfortunate for Jay Gruden. I got to tell you, though, you know, I I think a lot of times people don't look at it this way, Dave. I think they should. Mm -hmm. This is the best thing that could have happened to Jay Gruden. He knew he was getting fired. I'm telling you, the fact that he made the comment that he made about, if my key still works, I'll keep working. The fact that Chris Thompson, the running back, got emotional with the media after the game, talking about the faith that Jay Gruden had in him. It, it, it's almost like everybody knew this was coming. I mean, you don't start talking like that or getting emotional like that unless you know that something like this is coming. It happened. It was inevitable. And if you're Jay Gruden, I think this is preferable than working 16 to 18 hour days for the next three months for a lost cause and, and probably putting a quarterback yeah. in there and Dwayne Haskins that you don't have that much faith in now, instead he gets paid to go hang out in the Bahamas or on a beach somewhere wherever he wants. I mean, I think this is the best thing that happened to Jay Gruden and probably the best thing for the Redskins too. I hate delaying the inevitable. Now they can at least turn the page and start to focus on what they need to do next to try to get this storied franchise back on track.
2: Yeah, I've been fired before. and, And I can imagine that feeling that he was almost probably to your point, relieved to finally get that notice and finally just put this behind him and move on with his life it was probably wrecking him internally to show up there each and every day. It not only looked and sounded and felt, it was a home game for the Patriots on Sunday. That organization is an absolute mess. So worst start since 2001. Jay Gruden is out after an 0-5 start. His tenure in six-plus seasons, 35-49-1. and one. one playoff appearance, no wins. Seven starting quarterbacks. Bill Callahan will be the third coach coach this decade, uh, third coach, wow, and seventh since 2001. Seventh since Marty Schottenheimer in 2001. It's just one mess after another for Daniel Snyder. They'll have a press conference today at one o'clock Eastern Time to try to explain where the organization goes from here. And this statement the team has clearly not performed up to expectations. We all share in that responsibility. Well, they don't all share it because the one guy who took the fall for it is Jay Gruden. Ross mentioned uh, Chris Thompson with some emotional sound about his head coach. Here's what the running back had to say about Gruden.
0: You know, I feel like he was um,
2: one of the uh, guys that really believed in me um, and and wanted me to... the. Stay here and and viewing him through his um whole uh, legacy here as a coach. Um, just um going through that practice squad year was was uh it, it was real tough for me and
0: it's um. It's tough, man.
2: Wow, that is some emotional sound from Chris Thompson before his head coach was fired. You can tell they cared about that guy. He is now out. Um, And listen to this note from our terrific staff here. The Washington staff once consisted of Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur. Ross Tucker, how more indicative can you have about the tenure uh, of both Jay Gruden and Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen to watch those talented assistants walk out the door and now be looking for whom? Who wants to come take over this organization that is respected in the coaching ranks?
1: Well, so in fairness, you know, they had their issues with the Shanahans, did Daniel Snyder after the RG3 stuff. So they weren't going to hire Kyle Shanahan. And then McVay and Lafleur were both on the Redskins coaching staff when Jay Gruden, you know, was leading the Redskins to the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. So, um, you know, it is kind of interesting that all three of those guys were on the staff at one point. But that doesn't really have a big impact on me. I my guess is that Daniel Snyder will throw an absolute blank checkbook at Lincoln Riley. Uh, because I think Daniel Snyder wants nothing more than Dwayne Haskins to succeed, since that was pretty much hand, his handpicked guy. And so I think that's what we're going to see. I, I don't know if they'll be able to get him. I know this. Daniel Snyder can be very persuasive. I know many people that have been pursued by him going all the way back to Steve Spurrier when he really wants something he can be very persuasive in many ways he can be very aggressive and so if he hasn't already made a call to Lincoln Riley I can almost guarantee that's coming I don't think Lincoln Riley will do it but I guess everybody has a price and you know, maybe Lincoln Riley thinks he can make work magic with Dwayne Haskins. I don't know.
2: I'm just going to put myself in Lincoln Riley's position and think about what that means to my current job, my future, my past, my present. No goddamn way I am taking that job. Easier said than done. To your point, they might throw seven, eight, nine, 10 million Gruden type deal at Lincoln Riley. No money is worth taking that job where you are bound to fail, where you are going to have that meddling owner in your business each and every day, screwing things up an awful stadium and no real hope. And, and without a quarterback and a stadium, you're in deep trouble as an NFL organization. If you are Lincoln Riley, you can stay in Norman, Oklahoma, compete for a national title, get whatever transfer and whatever recruit quarterback you want in this country. And they'll build a statue for you someday, and they'll name a football field after you someday, and you will be a walking legend, and you can retire and be the governor of Oklahoma. And oh, by the way, in college ranks, he can still make $6, 7000000 million and probably will before too long. No way, Lincoln Riley. Don't do it. Don't even consider it. And that's the name that they will certainly turn to at some point, the young Oklahoma head coach. Let's move on to those surprises we talked about on Sunday. And, oh, by the way, we will talk to Craig Hoffman from 106.7, the fan in D.C., about what this means for the Redskins organization. Maybe he has a name or two that they will turn to beyond Lincoln Riley. Uh, So we'll get some local reaction there on Home and Home. But now that other stunner in the NFL on Sunday, and there were several, but I think the first is Kansas City. Losing to the Colts, the Colts team that, by the way, lost to the Raiders at home a week ago. That's the beauty of the NFL, how quickly things can change, how you are on top of the planet one day. And then the next week you are simply knocked down the totem pole. So the Chiefs score 13 points, Colts 19. The lowest Patrick Mahomes team, uh, Patrick Mahomes led team had scored was 26 The fewest points they'd scored prior to this was 26. They got half of that. This was all about the running game. This was all about playing man coverage in the secondary. Now there's a lot of injuries that factor in, but the running game kept the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. 45 carries, 180 yards. Marlon Mack was huge, 132 yards in this game. The playbook is out there, Ross, how to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, how to play keep-away. Can other teams use that playbook, or does Indy just have a completely unique personnel package that allows them to do this?
1: Well, I think they're going to try. I I think other teams are certainly going to try. This is not new, right? I mean, you're going against an opponent that has a terrific quarterback, really explosive offense, trying to play keep-away, trying to run the football, and possess the ball. This is not something that was just invented. It's been going on forever. I can remember when the Giants beat the Buffalo Bills and that K gun offense back in 1990. They just ran Otis Anderson, OJ Anderson, over and over again in that game. And Scott Norwood pushed it right and they were able to win. So this has been going on for a while, but you got to be able to execute it. You got to be able to do it. And I got to tell you, Dave, as a former offensive lineman, yesterday was a nice day for me. It, it really was. I mean, you think about like in high school, right? All these kids play seven-on-seven seven high school football now in the offseason where they play against other seven-on-seven seven teams, and it's all about throwing the football, throwing it and running it and catching it. And that's great. That's what they should do, by the way. That's what the skill guys should do. The lower levels below that, it's all about flag football. Flag football is bursting at the seams. I also think that's great. I think that's what you should play when you're younger. That's, that's awesome. In, in the NFL, fantasy football, more and more popular every year. Again, the focus, the emphasis, all on the skill, guys. That's fine. I get it. I know that that's the way it works. And all those things are fine. But you know what? it still comes down to blocking and tackling. It still comes down to stunningly handsome 320-pound men running into other men every play and seeing who does it better. And you look at the big games yesterday. The Raiders pounded the Bears up front on both sides of the ball. How about the Packers getting all after Dak Prescott and then running the ball with Aaron Jones, and then the nightcap, 48 bone-rattling carries behind Big Q, number 56, and that Colts offensive line, 38 minutes time of possession, 12 first downs running the football. It was glorious. Big is beautiful, and Big will always be in style in the NFL And I loved week five because it showed it yet again.
2: Yeah, the interesting thing, you, you talked about how many, the playbook had been out there, yes, but no one had really tried to execute it against this Mahomes team. They lost four regular season games, one to the Patriots in the AFC Championship. And in those losses, the Chiefs scored an average of 40 points a game, 40 points a game in their five losses last year. So no one had come close to executing A playbook that would slow this down. Time of possession. It's a boring stat, but it was 37 Colts, 22 Chiefs. They kept that offense off the field. Now, if you watched that game last night, you came away thinking Patrick Mahomes' left ankle is a bigger deal than you thought previously. Now, part of that is an offensive lineman. You may have seen the video. Stepped on his left ankle. It had already been severely taped up. Looked like it rolled it yet again. He was very gimpy. That left ankle is something to watch in the weeks ahead. Could they even give him a week off? Not clear, but he is not healthy. And until they get Tyreek Hill back, going to be hard to beat that man coverage. Great quote from Frank Reich, the former backup quarterback, the coach of the Colts. He said, the one emotion we were not feeling is shock. Everyone else around the NFL was shocked. He talked about all week, one of the best practice weeks we've had ever in my coaching tenure, and he just felt that that team believed they could go in there and win, and they were not shocked. Kansas City has other issues. 36 rushing yards in this game, 11 penalties for 125 yards. That's surprising. And, and Ross, I wanted to ask you about a man many think is the best, best play caller of our generation. Fourth and one, five minutes to go, Andy Reid, a very predictable up-the-middle run call snuffed out by the entire Colts defensive line. Did that play calling surprise you or indicate Mahomes is banged up?
1: I I didn't like it. Um, First of all, I'll say this, Dave. Any third or fourth and short that's less than one yard, one yard or less, that teams don't quarterback sneak, I'll never understand it. That's what the Patriots would do. You know, in general, when it comes to football, think about what Bill Belichick would do and do that. (laughs) I'm not saying the guy's perfect. He's not. He's had a lot of bad draft picks and stuff. But in general, it's like the Jalen Ramsey trade. You know, would you trade two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey? Do you think Bill Belichick would ever do that? Absolutely not. Two first-round picks and $17-18 million a year. No. In short yardage, they would do quarterback sneak with Tom Brady. I don't know why more teams don't do it. I definitely don't like a slow handoff like that where you're pulling a lineman. I I don't know why. the Patriots never do that. Their only short yardage and goal line run, Dave, is inside zone both ways. Because when you're pulling a lineman, there's a chance for space There's more of a chance for penetration. They don't do it. Just certain things that teams do. There's a reason why the Patriots are undefeated. I did not like the play call by Andy Reid at all. He's a terrific play caller, but maybe not in short yardage situations. And I didn't like taking it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands one way or the other. And they got even bigger issues. I mean, how bad is Chris Jones hurt? How bad is Anthony Hitchens hurt? How bad is Sammy Watkins' hamstring? I mean, they were dropping like flies last night.
2: Eric Fisher, they're going to need back. And here's Patrick Mahomes talking about that injured ankle. Patrick, what, what happened to your ankle and, and, um, and how's it feeling? Yeah, um, uh, just re a little bit there in the, the first half and then uh, got stepped on in the second half. And, I mean, obviously it's going to be a little sore tomorrow, but uh, – Uh, for me, just kind of going into treatment and uh, getting it it better so I can be prepared for next week. Now, he still passed for 321 yards, did Mahomes. and And if you saw the touchdown pass, well, it was as remarkable a play as you will see all season from any healthy quarterback. So even at 70, 80%, he's still the best at that position. And Jacoby Brissett was well, I think very average, below average, a terrible interception, just didn't see the honey badger, threw it right to him, so he throws 151 yards, that interception, he did rush for a touchdown, uh, buried in this, Adam Benatieri suddenly looks just fine, he hits four field goals, the oldest player in the NFL, thought we were going to see him retire, but he has delivered. The real part of the playbook, though, we can see if teams can emulate it down the road, is that Kansas City run defense. It is vulnerable, to say the least. It is third worst in the the league when it comes to yards. And right now, second worst, 5.3 yards per carry. The Kansas City Chiefs run defense is allowing. Every team will aim to exploit that. Can they do it? Do they have the horses up front? They certainly We'll try. We're going to get to another uh, thriller of a game. Is that over there in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, a beautiful stadium, by the way, Raiders and the Bears in just a bit. But first, Ross Tucker,
1: what do you got? Well, look, the Redskins need to hire a head coach. There's no better place to do that than Zip Recruiter. Why not? Hiring can be a slow process. Don't let it be, Daniel Snyder. Cafe El Torres COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So, you know what he did? He switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So, you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidate supply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how he found his new director of coffee in just a few days. But the results like that, it's really no wonder. 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, Zip the smartest way to hire. And it's sure looking like a
2: smart hire going with John Gruden. Who would have thought in Oakland that 10-year, 10, $10 million per deal was looking like the laughing stock of the NFL. The joke is on the rest of us right now. The Raiders are somehow, someway three and two, despite the NFL screwing them and the schedule, basically a month long road trip that included a home game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Sunday against the almighty Chicago defense, their former player, Khalil Mack. Everything was going against the Raiders into this game. They were banged up. They've had Tyrell Williams is out. This was a game that seemingly could not go the Raiders' way. But two weeks in a row, they beat the Colts a week ago, and now they go in to London. And 24-21, it's a win over the Bears. Khalil Mack, very quiet in this game. The Raiders had the pass rush, four sacks. Oakland did blow a 17-0 lead in this game, but Josh Jacobs grinding it out helping uh, put a capper on a 97-yard game-winning drive for the Raiders. Are they the biggest surprise or at least top three biggest surprises in the league to you this year? What's stunning you about the way John Gruden goes out there and continues to win?
1: I am very surprised by the Raiders. Uh, The last couple weeks, they've been the bullies. They've been the best team up front. In the games at Indy, I mean, the same team we just saw run over the Chiefs last night. The Raiders ran over and through the Colts in Indy the week before. Now, against the Monsters of the Midway, that Bears defense to score 24 points, to have a 93-yard game-winning drive, really, if it weren't for Trevor Davis fumbling near the goal line, or the miscommunication between Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs, it would have even been worse. I mean, the Raiders thoroughly dominated that game. Kudos, I guess, to the Bears for finding a way with Allen Robinson to get back and to get the lead. But that Bears defense could not seal the deal. I am so impressed by what the Raiders have done so far this year. And they're doing it without Antonio Brown, who was supposed to be a big part of their offense. The offensive line's the most improved unit in the NFL right now. It is really impressive. And now they got some momentum. Now they're feeling good about themselves. You start to get to that point where you have success, demonstrated success. You can really start to stockpile these things and get things rolling a little bit. He's doing a terrific coaching job. There, there's no way around it. He has he has really really gotten this team going now in year two. One of the guys that the Raiders were able to
2: draft by trading away Khalil Mack and getting the picks was Josh Jacobson. Boy, the rookie running back has been spectacular. And John Gruden, classic speech in the locker room, congratulating his team afterward. Listen to this. Uh,
0: Hey, listen, I don't have a disco in here. I don't have a disco. Well, let's all start dancing. I'm 56 years old, that's
2: the most fun I've ever had tonight. I'm I so proud of you, you have no idea. I mean, we've been through a roller coaster already, but what you proved today is one thing. You
0: can beat anybody, anywhere, on any time zone. You gotta, uh, we're gonna have a great flight home. We have some injuries. Uh, I want everybody to have a great bye week. You have a whole week off. <laughs>
2: That was a popular move in the Tottenham locker room, giving the guys the whole week off. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Chase Daniel, 22 of 32, 22 touchdowns. If he still, in your opinion, Ross looks better than Mitch Trubisky. But first, take me into that locker room. We've heard a lot of the antics from John Gruden, which bug people. But if you're in that locker room, you hear that speech.
1: How inspired are you? That was pretty awesome. That, That was pretty awesome. And when people ask me, what I miss about football, I certainly miss the violence and running into people, but you miss that. You know, it's like anything else in life. It's, it's hard to get those highs and, frankly, those lows as well that you get when you're a part of a team like that, especially in pro football. But when you're with a whole group of men and you're all working for a common goal and you all put the time in and sacrifice – and fly over to London and to get a huge win like that, that that was awesome. That was really, really cool. I bet they had a great flight back. And the week off is nice. Guys care oh. a lot about their bye week and the time off. Look, I don't care what job you have, your coach gives you your your boss gives you a victory Monday. You get Monday off when you weren't expecting it. That's awesome. You get the whole week off, especially when you have a buy this early in the season. That's rare and that's special.
2: A whole week off. Always bet on black as this team prepares to go to Las Vegas is sounding like quite the slogan as they prepare for the move to Vegas. All right. It is a quarterback-dominated league, but I can't figure out why, why we can't start considering a running back for the MVP. Because the way Christian McCaffrey is changing the game of football, leading the Carolina Panthers, throwing them on his considerable shoulders, is unrivaled in football right now. Another mind-blowing performance for Run-CMC against the Jags on Sunday. 34-27, Carolina wins again. CMC ties a career-high 237 total yards. Three touchdowns on one an 84 yard scamper. He hit 21.95 miles per hour. According to Next Gen Stats, that ties the fastest touchdown in the NFL this season. Kyle Allen's been spectacular. He is 3 0, first undrafted QB to win his first four career starts since a guy named Kurt Warner. And yes, there was Brian Burns, 59 yard fumble recovery for a touchdown. He played an outstanding game on the defensive side. But Ross, Should McCaffrey be at least in the conversation for the most valuable player award in the NFL?
1: There is no doubt. Uh, Yesterday, he actually came off the field at the end of the game a couple times because he had cramps, but he has carried that team. Now, in fairness, Kyle Allen, the young quarterbacks, played pretty well. And at least going into yesterday, they had the number one ranked defense. So I, I think on some level, You know, that probably hurts him. But it's just in such stark contrast, Dave, to everything else we see these days in the NFL with running backs by committee and two and three running backs splitting time. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I guess this is kind of how it used to be with the bell cow running back, the three down back. But what he has done... Is special. They run their entire offense through him. He's good blocking. He's good running between the tackles. He's got great speed. He had another long touchdown run. He is outstanding catching the ball out of the backfield. He's tremendous. And he kind of reminds me on some level, Dave, of like Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin in college football, where he should absolutely be in the discussion for the Heisman Trophy in college football, but with what Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts and Tua tungo are doing, it's just hard for a running back compared to a quarterback. Well, in the NFL, with what, you know, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are doing, it just makes it hard for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, at both levels, right, Dave? It's going to be hard for a non quarterback to ever win the Heisman, to ever win the MVP again, quite frankly. But we got a couple running backs this year at both levels that look like they're going to give it a heck of a run. Well, who is
2: your MVP right now? I mean, m- mine before this weekend was Russell Wilson. I just, I, that performance by CMC put him just slightly ahead of Russell Wilson. Now it's early, it is awfully early. Who is your MVP right now?
1: I'm gonna. I, I would go Russell Wilson um, because I think he has played that well. You know, he's been an MVP candidate a number of times, and this is the best yeah. I think he's ever played. But I, I got to tell you, I think right now it's probably Russell Wilson one, McCaffrey two, Mahomes three. Trying yeah. not to be a prisoner of the moment because McCaffrey and Russell Wilson were good, and and Mahomes not as much. Mahomes still made a couple ridiculous throws, just absurd throws in the first half. But here's the thing as entertaining as those are, and we all go crazy on social media or whatever. That's not, that's not what should get you the MVP or not. The MVP should be production for your team. And Mahomes has been productive, but this is two games in a row. He had no touchdown passes against the lions. Whereas Russell Wilson's carrying that team. Christian McCaffrey carrying that team. So I'd give those guys the slight edge. I mean, they only have five games so far, and right. one of them for Mahomes wasn't real good. And injuries count, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think McCaffrey's going to find himself. If I were a young kid and I were to buy an NFL jersey, there is no question the NFL jersey I would buy. McCaffrey would be my, my favorite player. Now I'm 42, so the only jersey I'm going to buy is, is Gardner Minshew because on the other side of that football game was Minshew mania. They gave out a ticket package with the mustache, the headband, and the jerseys are taken over. The T-shirts are taken over. By the way, he was good again. Gardner Minshew all beat in the loss, 374 yards, two touchdowns. He has played spectacular. There will certainly be a conversation the way he's played about who starts. I think at this point he owns that starting position regardless of of what happens with Nick Foles moving forward. Continuing with the surprises in the NFL, we spent the greater part of the last week talking about how the Minnesota Vikings could not throw the ball and how Kirk Cousins could not lead this team to the promised land. Again, it's only one week and the New York Giants defense is awful. But Kirk Cousins was spectacular on Sunday. You got to evaluate him against who he played. 28 to 10, Vikings beat the Giants Sunday, Cousins. 22 of 27, 306 yards, two touchdowns. And a couple of days after apologizing to Adam Thielen on his podcast sitting next to him, Thielen gets hooked up. Seven for 130 and two touchdowns. Still not sure how happy Stephon Diggs is. Says he's happy to be there. Sort of. Three catches 44 yards. I don't think that story has fully played itself out. Someone's going to make a move at Stefan Diggs. Do you feel differently though about Kirk cousins?
1: Not really. Um, you know, this It's funny because he played really, really well. And it was especially to his buddy, Adam Thielen. And I, you had to know against that horrific giant secondary that this is what they're going to come out and do. And that's exactly what they did. Um, You know, this was somewhat predictable, I'd say, but it also sort of reinforces that narrative, Dave, that Cousins is good against the bad teams, against the bad defenses, but he's bad against the good teams, against the good defenses, and most importantly, in the big games at Green Bay, at Chicago, they've been up and down all year, right? I mean, Next week, they play the Eagles. That's a gigantic game for both of those teams. And I think an opportunity for Kirk Cousins to kind of change that narrative a little bit if he's able to perform well against the Eagles. And by the way, he should be. The Eagles are so beat up at corner. I mean, they got Orlando Scandrick, who they just signed off the couch. Craig James, who went into yesterday's game having played three snaps in his NFL career. So it's the second week in a row now where Cousins will go up against a very favorable matchup for his two outstanding receivers. So he has a chance now against a good opponent to play really well and to try to change that narrative for his career with the Vikings.
2: I think coach Mike Zimmer, a terrific head coach, but I I get the feeling Zimmer has hurt Kirk Cousins' confidence. That's just what I see. It's just what I hear. It's just what I feel. No one's telling me that from the locker room. But when you have a guy that you only let throw 10 times in a game, you're telling that guy you have no confidence in him. I think Kirk Cousins can play. I think he can throw. I think I respect this guy as a quarterback. I think Zimmer has hurt his confidence. Maybe Kevin Stefanski. Maybe Uh, Somebody in that organization can build that confidence back up. Maybe this one did it. Not entirely clear, but he does have the leading rusher. Uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook has just been truly phenomenal. 218 total yards. That will be a test, though. Philadelphia, yes, banged up secondary, but boy, did they crush the Jets on the defensive line. We'll talk about their 10 sacks later in this program and some bad news, by the way, for... The Giants, Wayne Gallman, gets a concussion. So now they're out Barkley, who is getting closer. But Gallman looks like he's in the concussion protocol, could miss time, and you could be on to your third quarterback, much like the situation with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's quickly just talk about what happened with Mason Rudolph. We're going to get to Baltimore and talk about the Ravens side of things. But Ross, Mason Rudolph lit up yesterday, hits the ground hard. He was knocked Out And the entire stadium, everyone watching that game, held their collective breath as Juju Smith-Schuster was in tears looking at his teammate. So they end up bringing the cart out. The cart breaks down. The Pittsburgh cart did not work. They say they had another one ready to go. That's bullshit. This guy walked off the field with two guys helping him, and he was woozy. Mason Rudolph is in the concussion protocol. He went to the hospital last night, did not have to stay there. He got to sleep at home. He'll remain in the concussion protocol. Ross, what were your thoughts watching that play, watching Mason Rudolph motionless on the football field Sunday?
1: You know what's weird, Dave, is you would think the older I get and the more hits like this I've seen that it would get easier You know, like in life, as you get older, you know, you've seen couples get divorced or there be infidelity or you've gone to funerals and you've just seen more. You've experienced more. And so it doesn't have quite as much of an impact on you. You're able to handle it and understand that it's part of life. I'm like the opposite when it comes to football hits. I really am. You know, when I see one like the Mason Rudolph hit, I feel like it's harder for me and not easier. He was out on his feet. I mean, he was totally out on his feet. You don't see that very often. And when he's knocked out and motionless as he's falling to the ground, that's a tough watch. That is a that is a really tough watch for me. I'm I'm just glad... It appears that he's okay now. It was "quote unquote" just a concussion. We'll see how severe it is, how long he's in the protocol. But that was a scary, scary sight. Um, and I don't know what happened with the cart. And they said it was operator error. I, I I don't know what happened there, but it was not a great look. You know, him walking off. Although, you know, it's kind of how it used to be: is that guys would walk yeah. out off. And they'd have their arms around a couple of teammates or whatever. But that was, you know, you just, you, you rarely see. That. I've seen a couple of teammates on the ground, but I've never seen them and knocked out. I've never seen it happen, you know, while they were still up standing. Yeah, that, that was a, a bad look. And for
2: those of you watching on the radio.com app, not just listening, we showed some of the images there of players that were clearly rattled, that were emotional by watching what happened, by watching their quarterback motionless, Juju Smith-Schuster in tears, and not a good look for the league to have a guy woozy walking off the field. They are now onto their third quarterback. It'd be hard to imagine Mason Rudolph returning, he too, in the concussion protocol. On the other side of that field were the Baltimore Ravens, who won a game-ish. They don't look spectacular. I don't know if that win is a loss. It's a W in the column. We're going to talk to Ken Weinman next about Lamar Jackson and the stumbles he has started to hit in the last couple of weeks. Again, a win is a win, but it was an ugly win for the quarterback. Lamar Jackson will go to Baltimore for Ken Weinman after a short break here on Home and Home. Justin Tucker, money again in overtime. Ravens 26, Steelers 23. An ugly win for this Baltimore organization, but a win nonetheless. Let's talk about it with Ken Weinman from The Fan in Baltimore. Ken, Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, want to first get your thoughts on the Mason Rudolph uh, getting knocked out, laying there motionless on the field. Uh, was it a dirty hit, and what, your, what were your reactions to the play and to watching that play out?
0: I don't think it was a dirty hit. I think I think Brandon Carr hit him from behind, and then Earl Thomas he, he tried to put his shoulder in his chest. And I think one of the problems we have here, and and I never I found it as a Jewish white guy that I was much better talking about sports than playing them early on. But I think we're trying to legislate violence out of a violent game, and this is one of the ugly things that happens in football. They, guys get hit hard. I don't think Earl Thomas tried to intentionally hurt him. But the optics weren't good. I also the the fact that that cart didn't work. The NFL said there was another cart, but Mason Rudolph trying to walk off the field just didn't look good at all. But I know I don't think it was a dirty hit.
1: You know I, I don't think it was a dirty hit either, Ken. But I was surprised that no flag was thrown. I mean, obviously there was helmet to helmet contact. Otherwise, yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There was not a flag thrown, right, Ken? There- so here's the
0: thing, originally there wasn't, but they did call it. Uh, I I think that the flag came about 20 seconds late and they did call unnecessary roughness or roughing the passer on that play, but originally there was no flag but they ended up calling it.
1: Yeah, I was watching it and I didn't see him throw a flag and then I I couldn't remember. It, it's it's a rare thing to have the player's injury be so stunning that you almost lose track of whether or not a flag was thrown. I've been around football a long time. You know, it's rare to see a guy knocked out and unconscious while he's falling to the ground. Speaking of roughing the passer and stuff like that, one of the things that I respect about you, Ken, is how you can be objective even though you're down there in Baltimore. What did you think of the controversial roughing the passer penalty that the Ravens uh, took advantage of on the game-tying field goal drive at the end of regulation. I know Gene Steratore and others have come out and said they didn't think it should have been called.
0: Awful call. but th- This is I- – I-, I don't know about you guys because we always say, well, officiating is bad, but I think it's gotten to a level where it's almost an epidemic because the officials – become over-officious. That was a terrible call, but the, the Steelers got the benefit – of, of some bad calls earlier. The Devin Bush interception, Gene Steratore said that clearly the, the ground helped him secure that ball. He said that it would get reversed. It didn't. That was uh, Lamar's second interception. Uh, the, the the first interception, they thought there was pass interference. And uh, Harbaugh had said a couple weeks ago he won't even challenge that anymore unless it's blatantly obvious because he knows they won't overturn pass interference. So And there was another call where he challenged whether a ball was complete and Starator said, no, he never had it. And, of course, they went back to the booth and they said it was a catch. And, and then between the holding penalties, every other play, I love football, so I'm going to watch it anyway. But football, because of the officiating, and just not the Ravens game yesterday, but a lot of games, have become hard to watch because of all the flags.
2: Yeah, you've got a lot of company in criticizing the officiating this season. I mean, look at last night's game, just Filled with penalty flags late in the night, it became hard to watch at some point, despite the fact you're watching one of the most entertaining teams in football. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I was all in on in fantasy football after those first couple of weeks. Not so much in real football. I've remained skeptical about the way he throws the football against non-JV football teams. Last two weeks, five interceptions. He's been sacked nine times this one, he throws for 160 yards, three picks. I, I don't know that we can call him mediocre passing right now. Cause he's not that good. What's changed.
0: Well, uh, in yesterday's game, I think we saw an offensive line that got dominated by the Steelers defensive line, but also what happened when uh, Hollywood Brown got hurt. It just seemed like he really struggled to find guys open in the game. Uh, Lamar is struggling he did not play well yesterday I thought he played uh, better the, the week before against Cleveland there were some drops but yesterday he was not good this is an odd game because I thought the Ravens got dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage and then somehow still figured out a way to win but uh, Lamar Jackson is regressing a little bit I think the hits might be adding up a little bit I still have a lot of confidence that he's going to be a good quarterback but yesterday was not a good day for him. And I think also some of the mechanics stuff he's starting to kind of regress with some of his his mechanics, like the, the, the sidearm throw. And I think he needs to get back to thinking about what he's doing when he's passing the ball, which is something that we saw in training camp. He didn't look like he was thinking anymore and he looked good. I think some, some, I, I think the hits are adding up on him.
1: Ken, I'm curious. When, when you get on the air today down there in Baltimore, because one of the things I love about this show is getting the, the pulse and the heartbeat of what the fans in the big cities are thinking. Obviously, your show available on the Radio.com app and as well as Radio.com. What do you think the level of concern will be about both Lamar Jackson and and really just this Ravens team in general, even though they won?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I think that Lamar, Lamar to me is down on the level of concern, but there are people, there's a portion of this fan base that doesn't, didn't believe in him at the start of the year, so they'll be loud this week. The thing that, and I don't know how close you've watched the Ravens this year, but the Ravens used to be a team where you could always count on their defense. And it doesn't really show in the numbers yesterday, but I think part of that is about who they played. But this defense stinks. They got one sack yesterday. They got one sack the week before. Wink Martindale's blitzing and he can't get to the quarterback. After Mason Rudolph got hurt, they let Devlin Hodges get comfortable throwing the football. And this is a kid that never, I don't think he ever threw a snap, an undrafted rookie from Samford. It could have been Craig Hodges for all I care. And he would have been able to complete the football against this Ravens defense, which is unheard of. And, you know, I still hear people nationally talk about the defense because I don't think they're paying close attention. But this defense is really bad. They're going to beat Cincinnati Sunday because they're at home and Cincinnati's an absolute dumpster fire. And I I think that the Eric DaCosta is going to probably make a trade for a pass rusher. He's more aggressive than Ozzie Newsom. But I don't know how one pass rusher is really going to help. Their inside linebacker play has been dreadful. That's why they picked LJ Fort and Josh Bynes up off the street. Josh Bynes, who wasn't even in a training camp, started an inside linebacker yesterday, had an interception on a Wildcat play, but that's how bad their inside linebacker play has been. The, the number one issue with this team is the defense. It's really bad, and I don't know how they're going to fix it.
2: What is Harbaugh saying about that unit?
0: He said, well, what he says is we're we going to clean. Every week we hear sort of the same thing. We're going to clean it up. We're going to clean up. Now, some of the back end stuff they can clean up. They've had some miscommunication things. I think there's guys trying to do too much, and we've seen that. Earl Thomas has actually quietly played better the last two weeks. They lost Tony Jefferson yesterday, and you hate to see anybody get hurt. Tony Jefferson's been really bad this year. He's a leader. He was wearing the green dot, which is going to be an issue. They took it away from Pinot Owasu and gave it to Tony Jefferson. But Tony Jefferson had been playing really bad football. He's now gone for the year, I guess, to Sean Elliott, or Chuck Clark will replace him on the back end. Uh, but I, the, the the back end, I think they can, they can clean up a little bit. They'll get Jimmy Smith back in a week or two. The inside linebacker play and the pass rush, I don't know they cut Tim Williams last week because he couldn't get after the quarterback. He'd just been really bad. Tyus Bowser, who was a second-round pick a couple years ago, has been really bad. So I don't know that the guys they have in-house can fix their problems.
1: Ken, do you think the Ravens deserved to win that game yesterday?
0: (laughs) Uh, So as I said at the jump, they got dominated on each side of the football the line of scrimmage. I thought there were some really bad calls early that the Steelers were able to take advantage of. But no, if Mason Rudolph doesn't get hurt – and I picked the Ravens to win the game 27 23 only because Mason Rudolph was starting. I said if Ben Roethlisberger was playing this game, the Ravens would get beat. And then Rudolph gets hurt and the Steelers probably still should have won the game because the Ravens couldn't get after Devlin Hodges. Uh, <laughs> did they deserve to win the game? It's football. There's, the, the, the numbers to me show that they were fortunate to win this game.
1: Well, the reason why they won more than any other is because they have a Tucker. And as people have noticed on this show through the first month, plus, Tuckers are awesome <laughs> at everything, and they are the difference maker in a positive way. So uh, Brother Justin doing a terrific job. I, the last one I want to ask you, Ken, I, I know from living down there that there's a very, I don't I wouldn't even call it a friendly rivalry, but very much a rivalry. Between Baltimore and Washington, the Beltway, uh, certainly Ravens and Redskins. Just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, as John Harbaugh just keeps rolling with the Redskins firing Jay Gruden this morning and how much glee the people in Baltimore and Ravens fans will take about the continued train wreck that is the Washington Redskins.
0: Well, it's funny, I think it's a one sided rivalry. I think Baltimore hates Washington, but the Redskins in part, which dates back to Jack Ken cook and the the, the thought that Jack Ken Cook and Paul Taglabu tried to keep a team out of Baltimore after the Colts moved. I don't know necessarily the the Washington fan base cares about Baltimore very much, but yeah the, the since Daniel Snyder took to, took over the Redskins, that thing has been an absolute mess, and that uh, that video came out of Jake Gruden allegedly smoking marijuana and And with some girl and and most people down here think the Redskins actually leaked that video so that they will fire him for cause and try not to pay him. And uh, I don't know how Bruce Allen keeps his job. All they do is lose. They've got a guy in Trent Williams who has told them he doesn't want to play for them. They could have gotten a first round pick for him and he's still there. They took a quarterback that the coaching staff allegedly didn't want. Uh, I don't know that there's light at the end of the tunnel for that football team. And a once really proud franchise plays in a stadium that's full of only the fans of the other team. And I don't know how it's getting better anytime soon. Uh, Baltimore fans will enjoy that once they, they, uh, they get over the problems that the Ravens have uh, because th- this football team is three and two, but it doesn't look great right now. They're gonna, like I said, they'll beat Cincinnati. If they play like this in Seattle in a couple of weeks, Russell Wilson's going to tear them apart.
2: Yeah, feels like a very different three and two than the Oakland Raiders, who we talked about earlier in the show. As for that Gruden video, uh, Pro Football Talk says that it's old video, been around yes. for like a year. So, yeah, the theory is that someone just put it back out there in the bloodstream. Ugly how they're dealing with that. But, Ken Wyman, great to have you, sir. We'll see if those Ravens can improve that defense and Lamar can start throwing to the guys in his jersey next week. Thank you, sir. Take care. Uh, one Steeler's note, we had to mention Ross Tucker, and that was one of our favorite stories of the weekend, Adam Schefter, reporting that Big Ben, he didn't play a week ago, was fined for wearing an Apple Watch on the sideline while in his sling. What was your reaction to that? The reports are Big Ben's pretty furious about that.
1: Well, I just thought it was funny because it's like the the thought process is, It can be an additional communication device, which is illegal. But like the idea that Ben Roethlisberger of all people has hatched some like illegal communications device scheme, where he's like somehow saying into his Apple Watch and giving Mason Rudolph some. (laughs) I mean, it's hilarious. It really like the whole. Out of every player in the NFL, I would tell you, I think Ben would be the last one. And I if saw you like some, when they, f-
2: you like these uniform, vi- like you, you believe the NFL has to find guys in situations like this, don't you? That's usually your
1: take here. No, not a guy that's not suited up, not a guy that's okay. on the sideline injured, who's just wearing a watch. It's a lot different to me than a guy that's inside the white lines in uniform, having something hard on his wrist. Because to me, it's always like. You know, if you're allowed to have something hard on your wrist, then why can't you have your whole forearm be like a bionic forearm? I'll make a, I'll put a flavor flame watch on my forearm and just start smashing people with it. No, I have no problem with Ben uh, or any player that's injured wearing a watch. I Man, I didn't even know that. Like, I'm confused. Are there other injured guys that don't have watches on the sideline? If you go and look at every injured guy, I'm pretty sure some of those guys have watches. I'm, I'm quite certain. Yeah, it was a
2: strange violation. And Ben uh, reportedly said his wife addressed him because he's unable to do it himself. One of one of those interesting moves by the NFL. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, is Teddy Bridgewater going to get a starting gig in this league after this season? Uh, Look pretty spectacular. Outstanding game on Sunday. Uh, The Denver Broncos, is there a fire sale coming to my favorite team who finally got on the wind column and the dumbest decision of the week comes from the New York football jets, but there was something spectacular at their tailgate in the parking lot. That's coming for you in the nine o'clock hour home and home back after a quick break.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.